You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it is episode 102 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I'm very excited to be talking to you and whispering sweet nothings in your ears. We are talking tonight about a movie review. Believe it or not, we are reviewing the movie Ultramarines from 2009, and it's a trip down memory lane. I remember this was actually the year before Just James got into it, and just James, I mean, uh, Loremaster Alex and Bliggity Blam Steve brought the DVD over and we watched it. And I remembered hating it at the time. Hated it. I thought it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And we'll, you'll get to hear what we think of it now, um, 11 years later. And it may not be as bad as you think it might be. And if you've never seen it, then you may end up actually wanting to see it. You can, you can catch them pretty, uh, cheaply online, the DVDs. I got the collector's edition DVD for like $15 or something. It really was not some crazy amount. And it comes with like a booklet and whatever stuff I didn't care about, but it was like the cheapest I could get it. And, um, so that was fun. I sat down with just James and we watched Ultramarines for the first time in a long time. So we also have a test rack mailbox where Kenny asks, Hey, why aren't you excited about Indominus? And I'm like, whoa there, partner. Um, I actually am excited about Indominus. And he wonders why I'm not talking about it on the podcast. So we will discuss that. And finally, we have a want that or want that not with the Dominican Republic or the Demonicules, the Demonus, the Sisters of Battle and the Harlequin duo, Demon Forge... Uh, Beyblade, I don't know what they're called, whatever it's called. It's, um, they've got nonsensical names that I cannot hardly pronounce. And the, um, the, we're going to talk about whether or not we want that or we want that not. So what have we been up to? Well, besides work, as always, as you all are, hopefully, um, I have, what have I done? I got my butt handed to me by just James last week, he came over and we played and, um, you know how you've got new model curse or new model syndrome when you've got an army and you're like, Oh, I can't wait to play with this model. And it's usually the first thing dead. Well, um, I had a really rough time because my entire army had never seen the battlefield before. I, as I've told you, if you've been following it, I sold all of my old proxy cast space marines, and um, I've been trading and buying for the newer models of cast space marines. And it is, um, you know, I've been really excited to play it because I've been painting stuff and whatnot. And him and I played, and I had my luck wasn't terrible. It was not great, but it was not terrible. And it was just one of those cases of what he took was the perfect counter for what I took. And what I took was a terrible lineup for what he took. And that's just the way it is. I played a Helldrake for the first time ever, and I made mistakes with that. And I also did my trademark thing where I did not look at my rules or my rule book at all prior to playing the game. I just threw together the models I had painted, and I was like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to play this game. And then he did unspeakable things to me and my army. So the final oh man i don't even want to say i don't even want to say the score the score was 15 to 2 <laughs> it was bad he tabled me and uh it's just a lot of the stuff i had was ap2 and he did this stuff with the sisters of battle where they ignore ap1 or 2 and then they also have a feel no pain and so essentially all of my ap for my entire army was just AP nothing to him. And I also took a bunch of anti-tank stuff because that's just what I happened to have assembled. I took two Mauler Fiends and they don't do great against infantry because I gave them magma cutters. And I don't know why I gave them magma cutters because I remember magma cutters being really good against vehicles in previous editions. But like I said, I did not look at the stats and now I realize the magma cutters are just pistols for some reason. With him having a ballistic skill of four, that's lame. 
So I realized the Mecha Tendrils or whatever they're called is way better. And I think that's what I'll be adding to my uh, Mauler Fiends because those stupid pistol shots are dumb on a 50% to hit. They're just not worth it. And the Mauler Fiends were going to go after vehicles. Well, he only had one vehicle bubble wrapped by his entire infantry army. So that was fun. And the, um, what else did I do wrong? There were several things I did wrong. Oh, I didn't realize that, you know, his chapter thing apparently is just that he ignores Rend of One and not One and Two, but he's got the Hospitaller or the Magifier or somebody that gives them the ability to ignore One and Two. Well, I didn't know that, so I thought it was just an army-wide thing. I never went after his Magifier specifically because I had no idea until finally my Demon Prince came in and killed the Magifier, and he's like, oh... Yep, well, I don't ignore negative two anymore. And that was at the end of the game. I'm like, are you serious? And uh, the, my, my army started turning around a bit better on uh, the very last turn I was existing in the game. But unfortunately, it was too little too late. And uh, that's all she wrote. So the obliterators I still find annoying because of the randomness of the strength, AP, and damage. But I love the models, and I kitbashed all of mine to look different because they're just those two monopose things. And I've come to realize that they're pretty easy to um, swap out the arms. And the same thing with my Greater Possessed. I have six Greater Possessed, and I made them all have different combinations of arms, which makes them look a lot different, I think. So... I am excited for that. I also traded somebody for a Helbert, so I have a Helbert now, and I traded somebody for a Forge Fiend. So now I have a Forge Fiend, so I'm very excited about all that. But I took an anti-vehicle list, and he took an anti-infantry list, and it was just not, not good. I had almost no shooting, except for the, um, the uh, obliterators. So at least I got that failure out of my way, and I want to do a rematch with him. Uh, I all, oh, another thing I did is I, yeah, man, I always set myself up to fail. So I didn't realize that the Renegade, if you choose that for your chapter or whatever, instead of Emperor's Children or whatever, if you just choose, you know, Renegade Heretics, you get no artifacts, you get no Warlord traits, and I, I did not realize that. So that kind of sucked. I picked Renegades just because I've never played them. I always played Emperor's Children, always. So I figured, oh, well, I'll just pick Renegades. Why not? And then I come to find out they've got nothing, which sucks. Now, I also don't have the newest book for Cast Space Marines because I had not played them in a long time. So now I'm at the juncture where I don't really want to buy a new codex because I feel like they're probably going to be putting out a new codex in the next year. So maybe I'll just borrow James's codex for the time being. But that is the trials and tribulations of a first world problem gamer. And I think that is about it. Um, I think that's about it. By the way, for the review of Ultramarines, there are spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to go watch it first. And we didn't go, we don't go blow by blow for the whole plot, but we do give out spoilers. So just know that. And by the way, thank you all of my Patreon sponsors for supporting the show. And please, if you feel so inclined, if you enjoy the show, pay a quarter every episode and support it for just a dollar a month or whatever you deem necessary. That would be really nice. I'd appreciate it. All right, I will let you get on to the next segment of this show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. All right, let's open up the Tesseract mailbox here just for a minute. And we have a message on Facebook.com slash PimpCron from a listener named Kenny. And he writes, Hey, my guy, just wondering if you'll cover the new Necron and Marines from the starter set. I was looking around and you don't seem to have want that or want that knotted them. I am going all in with these Necrons. Four boxes. A little ashamed to say that, but I've split four boxes with my buddy Tom, I'm assuming. He he wrote Thom. <laughs> so, Kenny, I don't know, is it Thom? Uh my buddy Tom, I guess you just leave the H in. Uh sorry, that's completely derailed me. Um your your buddy Tom, are you get okay, hold on. 
I'm going all in with these Necrons, four boxes. A little ashamed to say that, but I've split four boxes with my buddy Tom. Are you getting any boxes? Where is your excitement? Kenny. All right, well, thanks for writing in, Kenny. I appreciate it. I am very excited for Indominus, actually. I am not trying to downplay that at all. I think that's really cool. Um, I am going to... Well, I, I have bought one whole box for myself because I play Necrons and Space Marines. Then I have a Space Marine buddy that I'm getting the Necron half off of him. And then I have a Necron buddy who I'm getting the Space Marine half off of him. So I'm going to end up with two full boxes of both sides because I play Space Marines and I play Necrons. So that is pretty exciting. I did vaguely say when Indominus was first announced that I really, really like all these models. I really have nothing bad to say about them. I um, Some of the design choices on both sides is a little funny, but honestly, they're beautiful models. I got nothing bad to say at all. It is definitely a want that. In fact, I've bought two boxes. So that is... Um, I don't mean to come off like I'm not excited about it, because I am very excited for 9th edition, and I'm excited for Indominus. I have, um, you know, big plans for it, and uh, I'm wondering how it's going to affect Shorehammer. We're going to have to change some rules. Maybe, maybe not. We already make our own rules for command points and stuff anyway, so it's not going to affect too much, I don't think. But the reason why I have not done a want that or want that not for the Indominus box set is because I feel like everybody, all the podcasts and all that stuff, they always cover the most recent stuff. And I feel like all the podcasts get very samey. It's like, oh, let me change channels from this Warhammer podcast to that Warhammer podcast. And oh, they're all talking about Indominus in ninth edition. Oh, cool. And that's why I try to always do something different because, hey, if you guys, you know, get sick of hearing that from all the other podcasts, at least you can listen to something else on mine. So that is why I really have not spoken about it. And matter of fact, I have not even followed 9th edition, the leaks or the things that they've previewed or any of that stuff. I just have not paid any attention to it. I am super swamped with business and, uh, and work right now. So I just, I'm along for the ride. I told Just James that the other day and he agreed with me that both of us, he has even more armies than I do. Just James has almost every single army for 40k i think he's missing like some specific ones uh i think he's missing geez i don't know what he's missing he's got pretty much everything and um there's not a major faction he doesn't own i don't think he owns any imperial knights or if he does he never plays them so that would be one of the only things he doesn't have and i myself have everything except for eldar and tau and admech I think that's it. I think I have all the other armies. So, or at least one faction of them or whatever. So what I was just getting at is that both of us own so many armies and we're so ingrained in this. You hear all these people all the time going, oh, 9th edition changes. I don't like the logo. I don't like the blah, blah, blah. You know what? I am so ingrained and entrenched in this game that it would take a lot of damage to this game and the rule set for me to stop playing it. So at this juncture, I'm along for the ride. I'm not angry about anything. I'm, you know, somewhat ex excited for 9th edition, but honestly, I just haven't been following it. So there's, um, I, I guess you might pay more attention to it if A, you have more free time, and B, if you're worried or excited about the new changes, and I'm neither. Like, I don't, I just don't follow it, and I don't have time to follow it, and I know that they would have to mess it up so bad for me to want to stop playing and give up this hobby that it's just not going to happen. So unless they change it into like pogs, do you guys remember those? Uh, unless they change all the game mechanics to pogs, then <laughs> I'm pretty much just along for the ride. And I, I enjoy the hobby and the community and the podcast and Shorehammer. Enjoy all that far too much to let one bad addition, if, if this were to turn out bad, one bad addition, you know, make me not do it. So I am kind of looking forward to getting the rule book so I can actually look at some of the stuff. Just James has been passively following it. So I know he's told me a couple things here and there and it's, you know, interesting changes. So whatever, I'm fine with it. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Kenny. I appreciate it. You can reach me at facebook.com slash pimpcron or pimpcron at gmail.com. Thank you. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a little second and thank all of my wonderful Patreon patrons. 
We are a small group compared to a lot of other creators and things like that, but I greatly appreciate all of their support. We have the cutest gold trim scarab named Brendan that supports the show. Then we've got a bunch of funky warriors keeping it cool on the battlefield. We've got Mandy, LT, Nate, and Tom. Thank you so much. Then we move up to our badass cryptex, Andrew, Edward, and Shade. Shade's our newest member. Finally, we have the big boss. That's right. We have the mother... Want that or want that not? On this edition of Want That or Want That Not, we are discussing the Demonifuge. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know how you pronounce that. Ephriel Stern and Kaiganel? Kaiganel? Kegel. I think it's Kegel. So, Demonifuge. I, I honestly think that somebody just ran their hand across the keyboard. Demonifuge and... Uh, the Demonifuge, apparently, I'm probably saying that wrong, is a selection of two characters. One is a Sisters of Battle, or a um, former Sister of Battle, and one is a former Harlequin. And apparently, it's like a buddy cop movie. Um, Ephriel Stern is the once Sister of Battle from um, the Order of Our Martyred Lady, and Kaiganel used to be a uh, laughing god solitaire or something of that nature. So these guys are pretty neat looking models. I don't know. It's I'm not 100% sold on them. If you want to get into the looks of them, they one neat little thing is they apparently are from a comic book series is where they originated from. And once again, it's kind of like a buddy cop movie. They like each other's company and he helped her get into the black library and meet Yanari and it's pretty cool. Like, he's taking her home to meet his mom or something. And she is interesting looking. So, she picture a sister of battle. And she's got a cape and all that. She's got a sword. She's, like, force choking somebody. But there is a force pushing up on her. Like, kind of like she's flying, I guess. But usually things don't force up when you fly. But if you look at her, there's like a wind blowing upward on her. And her cape is straight up in the air. Her hair is up in the air. Her um, her tassels and everything, her rosaries and whatnot on her body are all pointed upwards. That's kind of a unique thing. I don't think I've ever seen a GW model that's like that before. But honestly, way more than the actual model, what really excites me about this is the base that comes with her. Because Ephrael Stern comes with a really neat base, kind of, uh, she gives me, uh, definitely a Dragon Ball Z feel to it. You know, when they're sitting there and they're grunting like they gotta poop and all these rocks are flying up in the air? Well, apparently, all these rocks are being influenced by the same thing that's pushing up on her. And, to my knowledge, I don't think she can fly. Actually, I just faced her this last week against Just James, and I don't think she can fly. It, it never really came up, so... Whatever. But apparently, she can, like, push things up off the ground, and these rocks are very precariously positioned, and they have a lot of motion to them, they look really nice, and they are slowly, like, starting to lift off the ground, and you'll see stones, you know how GW's been doing lately, where, um, they've got stones, like, cockeyed, but it's still attached to the stone beneath it, you know, that's how they cast it, but it makes it look like it's floating in the air. It's a really neat looking base. The model is okay, but I think the base is actually the best thing about her. Um, now, then we go on to Kaiganel, Kaiganel, and he is okay. I don't really see a whole lot great about him. Matter of fact, he's not wearing his Harlequin mask, so he's just a dude with like whitish blonde hair and pale skin. He's got two swords, that's kind of cool, I guess, and we've seen that a million times, and he's got some sort of pistol on the side. Once again, uh, the coolest thing about him is that his basing comes with all these strange tiles that are, like, lifting off the base and coming off. I don't know if it's, like, a sort of force field, or it's just for looks, but it's really, really neat looking. And, honestly, he would make, I don't even know if they still make the Slanesh uh, heroes, whatever they were called in Age of Sigmar, 
Do you remember when they had like a, a really handsome man, like a pretty boy that was like a, you know, champion of Slanesh or whatever. And they always had these people that were really pretty. And uh, he looks like he would be a really good, good proxy for that. If they, if that model still exists, if that unit still exists. So you have to buy these two and just James took both of them in the list. I think they come as a unit of two. Like, they can split up afterwards, but they have to be deployed with each other. Unfortunately, they didn't do anything in our battle, so it's very hard for me to say anything about, you know, their, them on the tabletop. Their models are adequate. Their basing is really cool. And other than that, I don't find them super exciting. Now, it's $50 for these two. You have to buy them in a box of both of them, and it's $50. And my question is, what army do you actually put this in? I'm assuming you can put it in a Harlequin's army, or a Yanari army, or a Sisters of Battle army. He took it in a Sisters of Battle army. But it's interesting to see some named characters that came from a comic book versus a codex or whatever, and they've got some very daring, very interesting basing on them. So this is a really hard distinction for me to make because I'm in love with the basing. I'm in love with what they've done. I also really appreciate the upward motion, like Dragon Ball Z, like I said before, on Ephrael. I think that's really cool looking. But all in all, I'm, I find that the actual models are kind of last, lackluster. I don't really see how they would be with, worth $50. So, being that I have not started my Sisters of Battle army yet, I have not assembled them, and being that I don't play Harlequins yet, although I've been flirting with the idea... I even if I had these armies, I don't think I'd buy these two. This seems like just a neat little side thing, and I don't foresee myself paying fifty dollars for these two models. I guess you could say it's a deal because a lot of the named characters now are thirty-five dollars a piece, and this is only twenty-five dollars a piece. But I just—they're not really doing it for me. Although I do have to give them credit for the basing, so I guess that is a want that not. But still, props for some really interesting elements on these models. Just the models themselves are kind of blah. I would like it a lot better if they had something other than a freaking sword. He's got two swords. She's got one sword. I'm like, okay, yes, swords. We've, yes, yes, we've, we've seen a million swords. Can you give me a cool looking sword? Can you, I mean, give her a freaking lightning claw. If she's going to be a character or something, I know Sisters of Battle don't usually have lightning claws. So if you want to make her an interesting character and make her different and unique, well, give her a freaking unique weapon. At least that other Inquisitor lady with the dragon, you know, remember the bald lady, I forget her name. I think James has her too. Um, she's got Xenos weaponry. She's got a dragon. I mean, she's got some interesting elements to her. This is basically, you know, Joe Schmo. Adeptus Sororitas and Joe Schmo Harlequin without a mask. Not not really feeling it. So for $50, that is a want that not from the Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. So this is the first time on the Real Talk with Pimpcron I have ever done a movie review of any sort. So today I have my Just James. How's it going, Just James? Pretty good, how about you? Alright, so we just watched this the Ultramarines movie. And it is dated 2009. And I this is probably the fourth time I think I've seen this. And this is your first time seeing this. Yep. So what was your well, maybe we should dissect it instead of just giving a verdict right overhand. What did you think of the graphics from 2009? From 2009, uh still not good. Even for 2009? Even for 2009, I think um, could have been better. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most of like the backgrounds. I don't think the backgrounds looked good, bad. Did you? That storm and all that? It was a little plain. Like, I think some of it was flat images. And oh. they had them walking on it. But, uh, like, the, you know, the smokiness... The backgrounds could have been done better, um, adding more features mm-hmm. and stuff sticking out, not just a smoke. And while we were watching it, you did say that there was a lot of like flat land. There's no train. There's no. It's just 
Flatland, which is kind of dumb. But I thought overall, like, the organic stuff didn't look as good, but the inorganic things like their armor, in most cases, their armor looked pretty good. I thought the terrain looked pretty good. I mean, it was just when they take their helmet off, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, that was when you actually saw how bad the graphics are. That's... It was all condensed on their face. And they wanted to do close-ups. <laughs> they loved close-ups. I guess they were showing off, you know, their crap, but man. Yeah. If anybody's seen the 1997 Spawn movie, mm-hmm. it's that shot where they come in close to uh, whatever that Malboja demon. It looks just like that. Bad. Bad, yeah. Don't, come, don't go uh, close-up on a bad CGI. I feel like even then, I think I agree with you that even in 2009, I think that was not top notch CG. Like that's not some sort of industrial light magic CG or anything like that. But um, like like you said, don't zoom up on the face. If you don't have the technology to do the face, don't do don't zoom up on the face. Yeah. Um, I noticed that, of course, this is going to involve spoilers. We're not going to go through the whole plot or anything like that, but it will involve spoilers. I did notice that the first time you see the Demon Prince, the Demon Prince is almost exclusively in shadow. Yes. Now, probably partially for tension, you know, like they do an alien and things like that. But also, I wonder if it's budgetary. That is probably what it was. Uh, The atmosphere for the Demon, you know, the Demon Prince appearing, so to speak was like none he just somebody gets attacked and then all of a sudden it's just running around shadows Mm -hmm. you almost don't don't even know it's a demon prince well actually in the final battle he i said oh that's a demon prince and you're like are you sure it's not just a possessed because because he wasn't he didn't quite look like a demon prince in in either one of our eyes but uh, the only thing that gave it away for me is that he had those backpack wings oh yeah and i was like oh that must be a demon prince yeah, and he was a little bit bigger than uh, normal. Well, it actually seemed like he got bigger and bigger as that fight went on. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, at first, when we first see him, when he's partially that dude and partially a demon, uh huh, you're right, he was almost like slightly larger, like maybe cast spawn size or something like that. He wasn't like demon prince size. Yeah. Um, but then it said he wore his skin, and I'm like, but how did you shrink down? How did you wear armor? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. He was he possessed possessed himself into that guy and then grew <laughs> grew up inside of him. Sure, I don't know. It's like when you put on jeans that are too tight. I imagine like he had that guy's skin and he was like dancing around the bedroom trying to tug at it so, so it'll fit him. I just don't feel like it. Does he? Can he shrink? That doesn't make any sense. I have no idea. You feel like a demon prince. It's a d- demon. Demons do whatever they want, I guess. I suppose. Speed of plot demons, I guess. So I think we're both in agreement that as far as the CG goes, it was not even top tier at the time. But I feel personally, I give it kind of a pass. I feel like most of it looked adequate. I don't think it looked good, but I think that it was not the bargain bin CG. I, I, f- I feel like it was just kind of like the moderate budget okay cg so i feel like you might be a little harsher on it than i am uh probably yeah i don't know what the budget is for that movie so five bucks i don't know (laughs) well it was direct to dvd so so yeah i'm sure they did not have a huge budget it was direct to dvd so um all right so what about the actual story did the story make any sense just james uh it was pretty much a basic story uh, I don't know if, how far we want to get into the spoilers or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's a it's a eleven year old <laughs> movie. So the ultramarines are tasked. Ten ultramarines, twelve ultramarines are uh-huh. tasked with going down to an imperial shrine to rescue the imperial fists. Yeah. Uh, when they get there, there's only one guy and a chaplain left, mm-hmm. and of course, there's a book, a codex they need to keep keep safe. Because um, there's always a book at a shrine that has the answers. Uh, so the, once they get that, then they have to return back to the ship. All, all meanwhile being uh, assaulted by Chaos Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fight a... Uh, the They bring... So, okay, so their, their team they form, okay? 
they act they're on this huge ass ship this imperial ship before they head down to the planet and they act like there's the this only dozen people on the entire ship yes because down they go to investigate this because they're getting a distress beacon or a distress signal they go down there with a captain and a uh, apothecary and then like seven or eight dudes and then a standard bearer yeah which I found to be a very odd... I mean, I know you're just trying to tell a story, and this is like their first foray into a movie and all that, but a captain, a standard... Especially, I could see the apothecary, but the standard bearer? like Yeah, that, that was an odd choice. That seems so weird to me. And in the movie, like, whenever demons or whatever chaos would start coming by, they would be like, the banner would, like, kind of catch fire, but then it never really burned it was like electrical. There was something about the weather. The first time I did it, it was about the, the weather I, making it catch fire. I don't know. But then it turned out that was a signal that chaos is nearby. Yeah, which is like, okay, you've never fought chaos before. This has never happened before. <laughs> this is like, don't the banners usually do this? Um, and uh, then also something else that struck me odd is like you said, they only send 10 people down here, which I'm feeling like, well, it's distress signal. You feel like you'd send more people. There's also a land speeder with them. Yeah. And, and a land speeder and uh, a heavy bolter dude shows up like in the middle of the mission. And I, I swear he was not there before. Um, but the, uh, I thought the land speeder looked good. I thought it acted good. Like the physics of it and all that. I, yeah. I have a special place in my heart for land speeders. I don't know why. <laughs> So when they eventually get to the shrine place and they find the chaplain and all that, the captain has to fight a demon prince and he gets knocked off and they disappear. They fall down this huge chasm, whatever. Well, it's it's funny because uh, the cast space marines were already there. They already won the battle, apparently, because there's no Imperial fist except for that one dude and the chaplain left alive. Yeah. And they are holed up in this base with the book. Which apparently Chaos wants the book, but then w- once they defeat the Demon Prince, or the captain disappears with the Demon Prince, and they get the chaplain and the book bearer, the Imperial Fist dude, and they're heading back, they get assaulted by like 50 Space Marines, cast Space Marines. And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't they just take the book for themselves? I mean, they said that this, um, they sent distress seek distress signals for three weeks yeah and there's no imperial fist left so why don't those oh you know and the doors to the chap the what the shrine already had chaos marks all over it and had imperial fists nailed to the door yep why didn't they have the book already i think because of the chaplain and that one imperial fist they they uh locked it they (laughs) (laughs) oh so the cast space marines are just waiting for locksmith to show up is basically they uh yeah also they kept knocking but you know the chaos you know space marines were knocking on the door oh and you know the other two would turn the light off (laughs) make it seem like no one's home they just set a bowl of candy out they didn't actually want to like interact yeah 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 it was a couple pieces of paper (laughs) from the book (laughs) and uh so they come back, and what did you what did you think of the fighting, like overall? Uh, it was a bit clunky. There, like it was all like a almost like a blur, like most action movies nowadays. Or mm-hmm. you'd like, what the hell's going on? And once again, the cast Space Marines died so quick, and then the Space Marines didn't. I'm thinking they're cast Space Marines. They're they're not guardsmen like why are the chaos space marines dying so quickly from fire now i know some space marines died but it's like and the cast space marines are running with melee weapons towards these space marines that have a heavy bolter and a flamer and all this other stuff yeah it just i don't know i mean i know there's some disbelief you have to suspend because it's just a movie and they're just trying to display hey this is what we could do in this world yeah but a lot of it just didn't make any sense um, it did surprise me at the end when the captain, the quote unquote captain who came back from fighting the demon, ended up being the demon prince. I thought that was actually um, not this time, obviously, because I, I remembered it from previously. But um, when I saw this originally, when it came out back in 2009 and again, when we watched it um, uh, this fall, 
I was surprised both times. Like, oh, I remembered somebody was like, there was a twist, there was a traitor, but I did not think it was the captain. And um, I don't know why. I just, I just didn't. Because mm-hmm. I thought the chaplain and the Imperial Fist dude were both suspicious, which I'm sure is what you they want you to think. Yeah, yeah, they definitely want you to think that. Um, and also what's weird too is that, I mean, I know Chaos doesn't care about killing other Chaos, but that, that quote-unquote demon prince captain killed a bunch of Chaos Space Marines. Yeah. Like a bunch. <laughs> yeah, he came in uh, as a hero, like, as they were making their, like, almost last stand yeah. while they're being assaulted by all these Chaos Space Marines. Then he comes running in with a sword mm-hmm. and kills people but then he picks up his chain sword. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny that he picks up a chain sword as compared to the sword, which is usually in the game is better than a chain sword. Of course, yeah. He throws his power sword into some. Although it never shone brightly, I don't know. No, a, but usually when you see a sword, yeah, it's power. Sword. It's power sword. Um, so he helps fight off the Chaos Space Marines, and then they get in their Thunderhawk. And fly back into their battleship. And that's when um, they find out that the captain is a demon prince in disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have their final battle. What One thing I did like about it was in the beginning they showed the guy uh, that kills the, the demon prince. In the beginning... Uh, He's kind of like a hothead or whatever. He's one. He's that one guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to get the first blood and mm-hmm. I'm going to woohoo. <laughs> and uh, he's like the only notable character besides the apothecary and the captain. He's the only notable character in that movie. Mm-hmm. And they show him as the one that kills the demon prince. And he's like the protagonist, the hero guy. Mm-hmm. When usually... Or it, usually it would have been that one other guy that was kind of like arguing back and forth with them. Because in the beginning, they have a fight between the two. Yeah. Uh, and you think it's going to be the calm guy that's going to defeat the Demon Prince when it actually turned out to be the 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 uh, hothead dude. And usually the hothead's never the leader, kind of like Ninja Turtles, where Raph is never... I mean, in some incarnations he is, but he's almost never the leader. Leonardo's yeah. the, you know, calm whatever. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a. Uh, I mostly enjoy that movie. Like, it's you're right. The combat is clunky, though. Um, there's also some nitpicks I have about it. Like, um, okay, well, first off, they did something pretty cool. Like, I, I even said when we were watching it, when the cast base marines come over that hill and they first start assaulting the marines. And that they show that bolter round come out of the bolt gun uh-huh. and spin and go into that chaos space marine was pretty cool in slow mo. And then earlier on, before that, um, they were shooting. I think at the um, demon prince with a heavy bolter, and they're showing all those shells like rain down. Yeah. And they zoom in on one, and it goes, you know, uh, kill the heretic. Yeah, kill the heretic. And I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. I, I really, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, one thing I also noticed is that in a lot of areas of this movie, I think they put more money into the graphics. Because occasionally, like, um, there was a time, a couple different distinct times, like big moments in the movie, where I thought the graphics actually got a little better. I mean, the faces were never great. But the overall, like, definition, um, like, the the resolution of the images were much better, and the um, the color palette and all that was much, much better for just a couple scenes compared to the every other scene was kind of, you know how CG was back then, kind of cartoony, almost. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, an- another kind of nitpick I have for it is that they had no weight to their walking. They kind of were like light footed and tippy toeing around. They didn't very rarely did you hear like a doosh, doosh when they're walking or they just didn't seem like they were heavy at all. Do you disagree? Uh, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I agree. Oh, um, that would be the opposite. Yeah. But I was just, uh, uh, I wasn't thinking about what you were saying. <laughs> I was thinking about the movies that came out around 2009, and the one big one was Avatar. The one graphically 
Oh. Special was Avatar, I believe, came out in 2009. Oh my gosh. But the uh, one that I like better was District 9, as far as, far as graphics. That was um, 2009? Yeah. Oh, snap. So you're right. Okay. That's those gra- that both those movies have far, far, far better graphics than this. Yeah. Um, I guess what I was thinking of, this is like early 2000s graphics. Y- yes. Yeah. And like I said, the 1997 Spawn movie, that type of graphics. I mean, just up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The faces were like the Spawn movie, but everything else was a little bit better. But ultimately, I mean, you know, the budget was probably nothing. And one thing I enjoy about the movie is we do get some combat. We do get some gore. And there's a couple things that you do have to give them credit for. Like, number one, I was surprised at how much gore there was. They had a bunch of them, you know, they show this battlefield with all these dead Imperial fists and even some guardsmen. Yeah. And there's like a... There's like a guardsman's corpse on a spike, and both of his arms are cut off, and I think his face was either a skull or it was just it was... a skull, yeah. But then there was blood coming down from the so- eye sockets, and yeah, and there was like a chunk of his torso, yeah. And um, then they've got they had two different Imperial fists, Space Marines that had been like crucified, like one was on this rock with pins in his hands and arms, and like his all of his guts had been taken out, and. I, I I give them some credit for some of those graphics, and I think you're right. Some of them were like still images. Yeah, those yeah. were the still images. But I mean, it was still effective, I think. And it um I was shocked, you know, to be like a game that's some would say, oh, it's for kids or whatever. Like they they did some legit. It was more gore than I've ever seen in a codex. Um, I don't know, because I was gonna say. That we don't, it's funny that we don't really think about the gore when we're playing the game, but in the codexes and in this movie and in the video games. Oh, yeah, the video games. There's a bunch of gore. Really? Codexes? I feel like. I'm I'm pretty sure there's like, it's like in the Chaos Space Marines, there's quite a bit of gore in there. Huh. I'll have to look again. Because all the things, all the pictures in my mind, like readily available in my mind, it's always kind of like a superhero comic book cover where they're like flying at each other about to do something, but they're not actually fighting yet. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like the, one of the books I looked at recently was like Care Drawn Overlords. And it's like they're like, they're like, oh, they're about to shoot. And then the Zinch Demons are about to hit them, uh-huh. but they're not actually doing anything. Um, I think there's like the. Even I think in the apothecary, I think the, there's a picture of the apothecary with, you know, that bloody corpse or whatever, and he's hmm. uh, drilling it. Um, and there's some other ones, but yeah, there's quite a bit of gore in the mostly the chaos stuff. Well, I always feel like, and maybe this is just in my head. This is my head canon, but I always hear, I always feel like chaos is like quote unquote evil. But I never really see any evidence of them doing really evil <laughs> things, you know? It's it's more like they're in their goth phase or something. It's, no, not, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like they're actually evil people. Because I guess you, they still want you to be able to... I mean, if they if they depicted them like raping people or something, nobody would play that army. <laughs> like, <laughs> Although, the, the uh, Dark Galdar, I mean... It's kind of insinuated. And yeah. Slanesh kind of is, is insinuated, yeah. but... Um, so all in all, uh, what did you think of the movie? If you, if you ignore its graphics, if you look more at the story and you look more at the, the, you you know, it's something we never see come to life. So I feel maybe that's why I give it such a pass is because even though it's a subpar movie, it's still cool for my brain to see a land speeder really flying around or like a Thunderhawk. Like that Thunderhawk, I mean, it's not cutting edge graphics, but the Thunderhawk was pretty cool to see that land and, and all that. It, it is cool to see the Warhammer stuff that we play with in motion. Uh huh. As, as opposed to just static pose, little plastic thing that we move around. I, uh,. I also feel like like the sounds of things were pretty good. Like the the bolters had a do 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 like a heavy sound to them. It's not like it's pow pow pow. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like they did an adequate job. Not great. But I think it was still worth watching. And there was some gore in there when they're fighting, like cutting the tops of heads people's heads off and some stuff that, you know, was kind of entertaining. So overall, what do you think of it? Would you ever watch it again? Like, um, No, I don't think I would watch it again. Because <laughs> uh, there's, there's uh, better videos out there that depict uh, Warhammer uh, Space Marine stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like trailers, cinematic trailers for video games. Yeah. Uh, uh, are way better, like graphic-wise. And, and even like the little story they try to tell... It, uh, would be better than this uh, what hour long movie yeah um, like I told you there's something I always hear in movie reviews is if you can't make it good at least make it short and they they made it short so that's I mean you're not slogging through a two hour subpar movie so that's also beneficial but uh, it did drag on a little long there were I think they could have cut it down to 30 or 40 minutes Okay, you know, you you brought up something really good right then. That the it's a slow start. Oh my gosh, it's slow. Yeah. Like out of an hour, I, I didn't look exactly the runtime, but it's roughly like an hour or so. It might be a little over an hour. But the first like twenty minutes of the movie, nothing happens. Like it's a bunch of. It's actually not even a lot of exposition because. They don't hold your hand through it. They assume that you already know something about the lore and all that. Yeah. And But they just, they're on a, I, I called it while we were watching it, I called it a walking simulator. Because their whole thing is the Thunderhawk, I guess, was low on gas. And I'm just being sarcastic because he dropped them off fucking 10 miles away from where they wanted to be. Yeah, like uh, Rogue One. <laughs> oh, I've never, I actually haven't seen Rogue uh, One. Yeah, they, the Imperial Transport. They're gonna go. F- they're looking for this one guy. He's got his little house out in the field. They park all the way over and then walk <laughs> all the way, so he has time enough to run away. Oh my gosh, it's it's just one of those plot things. But yeah, the Thunderhawk drops them off ten miles away from their destination, and then they have to walk forever, and then they have to walk forever back. So it was punctuated by a little skirmish on the way to the sanctuary. And then another little skirmish with the Demon Prince at the Sanctuary. And then a, a, a moderately decent battle with, like I said, 30 or 40 cast Space Marines on the way back from the Sanctuary. And then a moderately entertaining Demon Prince battle. But it did feel lackluster at the very end. Yeah, that battle... So there's like a... Uh, in the beginning, they show a duel between the pretty much the last two guys, the Hothead and the Calm guy. And they show that battle... And the captain uh, takes this warhammer out and it's like, you may not be able to hold it th- today, but someday you can. But right now, kneel. Because mm-hmm. it's a relic. It's, n- it's not just any warhammer. It's like some special warhammer for some reason. So they're back in that same room at the end of the film. They're fighting the demon prince. And as they're fighting, you go, oh, they're in that same room. Mm-hmm. What are they going to use? They're going to use that Warhammer. So that hothead guy gets the Warhammer. And he hits the Demon Prince. And it's like easy. Mm-hmm. Like the Demon Prince doesn't even seem to dodge it. He does not. No, he takes a shot to the knee. And then the guy does his little ultramarine quote and then smashes him. I don't. I guess in the head. I didn't quite see it. I and guess. the Demon Prince just disappears. Yeah. Which is also strange, but yeah, like the imprints just disappears, I guess. But and and also like what was, I guess because it's a relic. I'm just gonna say what's so great about that Thunderhammer? Like they didn't even say it was anything. Yeah, it didn't even look that cool. No, it didn't. But they did say it was a relic. So and oh, oh, something else. Like we said, they act like there's this massive ass ship, and there's only ten of them on the ship. <laughs> yeah, they're like, like looking for the 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 uh, captain demon prince. He like runs away from them. And they're looking for him. It's like, uh, call everybody. Yeah. Go down there. Find the guy. Like, was he going to hide in the closet? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It is, but but it did it did come back full circle. He did get the. They did foreshadow the Thunderhammer in the very beginning. They were in that chamber in the very beginning, so you knew 
that it, it was there, you knew where they were, and it was kind of nice that it circled back around. So, um, I have kind of a soft spot for this movie. I don't think it's great, but it's something I could probably watch. It's short enough, and it's just entertaining enough that I could probably watch this movie once every two years and have no problem at all. And I'm not a big movie person. So for me to say that is actually, you know, saying a lot. But um, it's it's just entertaining enough. But you say you'd never want to watch it again. No, I wouldn't watch it again. Once is enough. Well, that's the way I felt uh, 11 years ago until this past fall. I bought it. And I was like, I'm going to watch that again because I haven't seen it. And I remember, I remember in 2009 thinking it was freaking awful, like terrible. And now... I look at it and I'm like, eh, I give it a, I give it a C minus. Like, I don't think it's terrible, but I feel like now that you mentioned Avatar and what other people were making in 2009, uh-huh. I guess I'm being too lenient because I'm thinking, well, it was back in 2009, but yeah, <laughs> it's not the same thing. No, but there's also a budget behind that too. So yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was direct to DVD. I'm certain the sales were not something crazy for this. Um, so all in all, I appreciate you watching it with me. And, um, my son actually likes it. He watched it with me last fall and then he came in and finished watching it with us today. But once again, it's not two hours. It's a short movie. So I, I have more patience for that. If it drove on for freaking three hours or something. More walking in the sand. <sighs> yes. Just walking. Walking simulator. Just, dude, they should have injected something in the beginning, but whatever. Um, all in all, I so if you had to give it a, a grade, a letter grade, mine's a C minus. What would you give it? Um, overall, I would say C minus, D plus. Okay, so I mean it's okay. If you're a Warhammer fan and you're an Ultramarine fan, you would you would tolerate it. You would like it, uh, but if you're just some adult person <laughs> you would probably wouldn't want to watch it it would i think it would be an f minus for the for the general audience like yeah. just hey mom you want to watch it no she does not want to watch <laughs> this <laughs> so all right well thanks for being on i appreciate you spending your time um hanging out with me you got it dude and uh i will talk to you later